0: Welcome to Two Deep, Hokies under the influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat Old Dominion thirty-eight to nothing. We have a big game coming up. Robbie, I'm pumped. Give us a cheers. Well, you know what? I got a cheers
1: to it's college game day coming back a decade later, but on a positive note, which is awesome and really exciting. Hat tip to the team. Excited to have. Everybody, Corso, Herb Street, they're all going to be on our house Reese Davis and it's going to be awesome. Both you and I are going. I am so excited. I'm getting more excited every day as uh, it approaches.
0: Me too, man. Cheers. <clears throat> we got game day. I am just so stoked about it. The team did what they had to do. They took care of West Virginia and then finish their business every week leading up there to this week, which is one of the biggest weeks in school history for Virginia Tech, helping to put us back on the map. And we had a couple news and notes that also went along with that. The BC game, that game time got announced as well, also on national TV, also at night. So does that amplify even more so this weekend, or does it just completely separate and you're not thinking about it?
1: I... It it leads my brain to a place that it shouldn't go only because Clemson just played BC. So you can see where my brain would go with this whole thing, but I'm not going there yet.
0: Yeah. I just meant from the aspect of we've got national TV game talking about us for three hours for the whole nation. And then potentially again with either more focus or less focus, depending on what happens. It'll be interesting. I also had a little bit of bad news in the news segment and that's divine Diablo. Done for the year. That was announced today. He hobbled off the field after that interception he made, and it turns out he broke his foot, and that's why he was hobbling. It didn't look so bad on camera, but unfortunately it's broken. Going to miss the year. They're hoping to get a medical red shirt. He was playing well and was coming in on passing situations. That's what uh, Mason Nauman said in one of the more recent key play pieces that was posted earlier today. And uh, we're going to miss him a little bit, but we got good depth at safety at least.
1: Yeah, and, and given he switched sides of the ball, you know, we thought he could be maybe a contributing wide receiver. Comes over, gets his first interception, and then you see that happening. I hope he gets the medical red shirt. We get him
0: back next year. And the last thing I had was we got a commitment. We haven't had a commitment in a little while now, but it's actually for the 2019 class, and it was an athlete, Jihad Carter, out of Richmond, I believe that's right, and he, yeah, he's an athlete, uh, plays DB and wide out, we'll see what ends up happening when he gets to campus, but first commitment of the 2019 class, we did have Tavion Land before, and then he decommitted, but this is the first commitment on paper that, uh, that hopefully will stick with us this time. Let's get into the game recap. Other than the slow start and the two stalled drives at the beginning and the missed field goal by Joey, it was a pretty good day. Just three first quarter points and our first five drives were a missed field goal, a field goal, a punt, a punt, and an interception. (laughs) Not the way you want to start. But we did finally put up two TDs in the second quarter, both from Steven Peoples. He got a really nice screen pass design that went for a TD and he had like a convoy going to the end zone. There was two offensive linemen looking for someone to block on that one. Yeah. There was no chance that he was not getting in the end zone. And then he had another one yard rush TD and we were up 17, nothing at the half. We scored a minute into the third quarter on a tip ball that again, popped to people's proving that it was truly his day. He had three touchdowns after that catch it was into double coverage, and I don't think Coach was pretty very happy after that. I don't think he would want Josh to, to throw that ball up, even though it was to Cam. It was a little short. Popped right to Steven Peoples, though, so everything was all good. And then we had a nice 11-play drive that ended with C.J. Carroll's first career TD. So that was cool for C.J. to get a touchdown. Late in the third, as I tweeted out earlier today, we activated the uh, Deshaun McLeese cheat code. We gave it to him six straight plays, running and passing. It ended with four straight rushes that led to a touchdown. And in the second half, we held the ball for 22 minutes, finished the game on a seven-minute, 38-second drive. That was 13 plays, 12 of which were rushes, uh, most of which went to Coleman Fox. And we won 38-0. to zero. It was similar in nature to the ECU game. It was just better because we didn't give up any points to begin with yeah no points
1: uh scored in blacksburg that's the way we're going to do this thing so you couldn't awesome ask you couldn't ask for more the offense some are getting paranoid about the way that we have been have these slow starts now and again pretty often they've become but i i honestly think it's part of the scheme i think People have mentioned this, that we're testing out, kind of poking, prodding, seeing where the weaknesses are, seeing how the defense moves, see what the linebackers do when we show a certain scheme, and then we play against it. And I tend to think, and I'm developing enough confidence in this coaching staff that I think it's on purpose. I think we are scouting what we're going to do on offense throughout the day, and we're using their tendencies against them.
0: Yeah, we're not on purpose. Getting stopped on third down and then missing a field goal, <laughs> but I I know what you mean. We talked about it in our last episode about how how it's kind of by design that we we're just gonna start a little slow on offense. It's it's setting everything up, but uh, it would be nice if Joey could go more than one game without missing a field goal. That's yeah,
1: <laughs> he's in a bad headspace right now. Not, I know, not going into, but you know, he's going into a huge game. Maybe that's good. He sometimes you see the bounce back. And You got all the misses out of the way? Yeah, the misses are (laughs) out of the way, and he'll be clutch and kick a game-winner or something. But to your point, Stephen Peoples, I think, was fantastic. 13 rushes, rushes, three catches, uh, three touchdowns, what, about 130 combined yards between passes and catches. He was fantastic. McLeese uh, looked great. He had the rushing touchdown. Cam Phillips... Had seven receptions for 106 yards, which really should have been more because of that one that went off his chest plate. So that would have been another, what, 30 yards probably on that pass? And if
0: Josh hadn't missed him on a wide open one that thought for sure was going for a TD but, but came up a little short... It was a good day overall for the offense. I mean, 271 yards rushing, the three-headed monster. You already mentioned McLeese and Peoples, but McMillan got in there early before he limped off. 234 yards and four touchdowns from that three-headed monster at running back. Uh, Let's go into Josh's stuff. He was 20 of 30, 298 yards, another three touchdowns passing. He did throw his first pick, and I think I said to you after we finished recording last week that I kind of wanted him to throw a pick against ODU just to – to be done with it before Clemson. Because if he goes into Clemson with with no picks, you almost know it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, now he's probably going to
1: be multiple, if, if anything.
0: Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, he's thrown one. Hopefully that's it. But he had a good day, shaky at times. And like I said, he missed at least two open – he missed Kuma, who was open deep. He held onto the ball too long. And Cam was wide open on one. He, again, held onto the ball too long. Uh, and if it was just a better throw, he still could have gotten him to Cam in the end zone. I wanted to hear from you what as far as the breakdown and the yardage, because I think there were a lot of short passes in this game that m- might have made that completion percentage better.
1: Yeah, I think there was, in this game, looking at the stats that we track for him, average pass distance for him was way down, uh, mostly due to the screen passes on the outside. His passes over... 20 yards were the longest of the season, um, so everything was tucked in a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. He's still hovering around 60% completion percentage beyond the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, even though there were shorter passes when he was passing beyond the line of scrimmage, he was hovering right around the same, uh, de- you know, completion percentage that he was in the games prior to that with a relatively, I would call ODU a decent, all right defense they're not good they're not great but they that was the talent that they brought to the table so that was nice and the most noticeable thing that I think I took out of this game was um, the yards after catch were through the roof obviously with some of the the long um, receptions that uh, we took and we spread the ball around a lot more so the about 50% of the attempts were guys not named Phillips, Savoy, Carroll, McMillan, or McLeese. And those guys were making up the bulk of our catches during those first three games. We started to spread it around. Peoples was part of that. But we 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 brought some more people into the pass game, which was good to see. So we're at about a 50-50 split now on you know our top five receivers versus um, others getting involved, which is what we want to see in this offense. So it may not have felt like that, but the ball was getting spread around a little bit more.
0: That's good, man. I noticed that after the interception, Josh went 12 of 15 with three touchdowns. He really responded well after that pick. I, I was shocked. Uh, he went on a – I think he missed his second one after the pick, but he went on a streak of like eight straight completions at one point in the third quarter uh but yeah 12 of 15 for three touchdowns to finish the game really strong finish 11 of 18 on third down so we brought that up again that was about 61 percent and five of six in the red zone yes we had the missed field goal and another field goal attempt but four touchdowns so that's not bad for six trips inside the red zone i will take that for sure which hopefully can bring that red zone percentage up as well i think we're in the middle of the pack now and in uh, TD percentage inside the red zone as for the defense a good team game again second consecutive shutout we're now sixth in the nation in scoring defense uh, Clemson is third for reference and we only gave up 149 yards seven first downs and 2.98 yards per play all season lows it was just dominating
1: yeah, Stephen Williams did not have a fun day. Eight for twenty six, eighty five yards passing with no touchdowns and an interception. So that's
0: it's what first, you expect from a true freshman, in lane, seventeen right?
1: year old up against Bud Foster. That is that's uh, that's a rough day. Only eighty five yards rushing.
0: Uh, he did a nice job pass. avoiding sacks. I'll say that. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. But overall, you that what I thought was most surprising. You go back and you look at it. The individual stats, nothing blew off the charts in terms of whether it was tackles, tackles for a loss, you know, sacks. I think um, all total, would we have four sacks in the in this game, if I'm not mistaken? But in, in any case, nothing. No, was, there was only
0: four tackles for a loss. Oh, sorry, had four had tackles for a
1: loss. Yeah, one sack. So there, no individual stat for any one player really jumped off. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was a perfect team effort I think in in every way shape and form and it was really spread around and that's what you kind of want to see going into a big game that we have this week which is it's not just one side it wasn't just the D line it wasn't just the linebackers there or, or or the backfield it, it was a collective effort I think across the board
0: going into the negatives we've already covered a little bit of that uh, for as good as Josh was he did fail to execute at times just the four tackles for loss we just mentioned. And the injuries. That I mean, you you had said the last two weeks, what I want to see is no injuries. And McMillan left the game. Uh Hill, Trevon Hill left the game. Cam Phillips at one point walked off. He came back and seemed fine, but he was kind of pointing to his groin. Diablo, of course, broke his foot. Uh it was wasn't the best in terms of the injury, but we did seem to avoid. A big one in terms of like maybe Tim Settle or Tremaine or uh, I don't I don't know Josh for example like we we avoided a, a big injury but there were a lot of guys that got nicked up in this one which is not something we wanted to see and again we mentioned Sly missing the field goal so those were all the negatives I had I don't know if you had anything else Nope that was it I
1: mean Josh Jackson basically threw an interception on that uh, toss to Cam Phillips into double coverage luckily it went off his hands and the tip ended up that would have been his. Well, I would, I think, uh, Flinte when he's putting it on his chalkboard would chalk that up as an interception into double yeah, coverage, but it worked out. So
0: some miscellaneous stuff I had. Josh is now the eighth most efficient passer in the country, and I know the competition hasn't been so stiff the last three weeks, but eighth nationally at one seventy seven. For a retro freshman, that's pretty amazing. I don't I don't think I ever thought that uh at least not a couple years ago the tech would ever have a efficient passer inside the top ten. So that's pretty amazing, even even if the competition hasn't been good the last couple weeks. We out first downed ODU thirty-two to seven. That's <laughs> and we ran eight eighty nine plays to their fifty. We almost doubled them up on plays, held the ball a ton in this game. We're fourteenth in total offense. Again, something I thought I'd never see, 507 yards per game, and we're 28th in total D. That 507 on offense, that would be a school record if it held. It won't hold, no. but I still think we're on pace for a school record even if we drop 20 or 30 yards. Yeah. And my boy Kuma finally got his first catch.
1: That's right. You've been talking about him for a while, so I, I had to check the stats on that, and I, I saw it, it. It finally happened. So <laughs> It was a big moment for all of us.
0: Uh, Overall, did you have any final thoughts?
1: I don't think so. I think we took care of business. It was, you know, that's not always easy to do. You saw what happened to Clemson in three quarters of that game that they played Oof. against Boston college that had everybody on pins and needles. There's, you know, the only truth in this game is that there's going to be down weeks and you don't know when they're going to happen. And we avoided a down week this time. And that's all that matters is we took care of business. We got game day. Luckily, Clemson took care of business and didn't screw it up for us. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, right? Like, yeah. you know, going back to our early previews, we said that there was potential that both of these teams could go roll into Blacksburg undefeated potential. If that did happen for game day to be there. And here we are. Both teams did what they needed to do. And our team, especially, which is what matters, did what they needed to do. And now we got it. And now is our time. I mentioned it to, to, to you and Joe earlier today, that post-game locker room speech that Fuente gave when he rubs his hands together after he says now, but he is juiced for this game that we're about to talk about.
0: When we were talking about it back in June or July when we were doing our team previews and we said, there's a chance, it seemed kind of like a pipe dream. It was possible, but it's just a lot of ifs and a lot of potential speed bumps or roadblocks. And it's here. It's an enormous, enormous game in Virginia Tech history. It'll be a footnote if we lose, and it'll be very incredible and maybe a turning point for this program if we win. Let's take a quick beer break before we preview Clemson. Robbie, what are you drinking?
1: We are doing Oktoberfest this week. We got four of them lined up, uh, and they are going to be fantastic. But I'm having the Great Lakes Great Lakes makes awesome beer, and none of them are, you know, kind of world beer beating beers, but they're all just really good, really well done. This is six and a half percent, a twenty IBU, so um, you know, not much hops, a lot of malt, traditional Oktoberfest, um, marzen style lager, and I I think it's great. It's getting me ready for primetime Virginia Tech football because this is what you drink this and then some pumpkin beers and all of a sudden you're into winter loggers before you know it
0: that's right man uh this is our Oktoberfest episode we are going to do our pumpkin beer episode next week and I'm drinking the Thomas Hooker Oktoberfest I had not really heard of this brewery, but I saw good reviews on this Thomas Hooker Oktoberfest. It's, like you said, Marzen-style lager. That's the traditional uh, German-style beer this time of year, and this is really, really good. Uh, A little bit of that caramely note in there, and I would definitely buy this again, the Thomas Hooker Oktoberfest. I was just drinking a Sam Adams Oktoberfest last week. Obviously, every time of year, every year, this time of year, I have a couple of those. And this year, more than any other, I haven't been as pleased with the Sam. I don't know how you feel about Sam Adams Oktoberfest, but this is just a thousand times better. This one I'm currently drinking.
1: There's Sam Adams is just it, everything that they make. You can get five beers that are better in what, whatever style or brand it is, whether it's their summer, whether it's their Oktoberfest. They're traditional Boston, uh, you know,
0: which they, I do love.
1: Yeah, I, they great. They were pioneers of what craft beer now has become. They're no longer craft beer. They're just they're Anheuser Busch, and that's basically where they're at. And every once in a while, I like having a couple of them. But none of their beers are great anymore because so many other people have outdone them over time. It's like yeah, that but, seems it's to like be the case. it's like what. Uh, beamer ball used to be and then everybody caught up to beamer ball and then some people figured out like new angles on it and you know they played special teams in a different way and it just sometimes the game just
0: evolves past you it's kind of like star trek the next generation <laughs> while superior in many ways it will never be as recognized as the first <laughs> hopefully people out there know what that quote is all right let's get into clemson Last year, Clemson went fourteen and one, seven and one in the ACC, and you should know that they were the national champs. They're currently number two in both polls. I was hoping they'd get to number one, but uh, Vandy put like no show last week. They just completely shit the bed, and Bama just beat them into the ground, like just completely destroyed them. I think it was fifty nine nothing. So Clemson is remaining number two, and that's still going to provide a uh, as far as the ranks go. A top twelve matchup between the two of us, and it's it's going to be pretty awesome. We played them right to the whistle in the ACC championship game last year. We lost forty two thirty five. We were driving at the end and couldn't get it done. And then Clemson went out and blanked Ohio State in the first round of the playoff, and then beat Alabama. Uh, I think it was the same score. Was it forty two thirty five? Or I'm pretty sure it was close. Something like it was that. either the, the same score in
1: reverse or or close.
0: All I know is we put up the same amount of points as Ohio State and Bama combined. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty Clemson incredible. <laughs> pretty, pretty incredible. And they were only bringing 12 starters back at the beginning of this year. Like us, just five on offense. We both had to pretty much retool our entire offenses as well as the quarterback. And they had seven guys coming back on D. The difference is they've recruited at such a high level that they're just reloading at every position and they did still manage to keep some pretty nice talent on the offensive side in terms of their uh, weapons on the outside and wide receiver. Their offense has been different this year, though, as you might imagine. They lost all everything. Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, should have won the Heisman last year. And I think people, they think maybe Clemson is just going to replace Deshaun. I don't think you can, can over, overrate how big a loss that is for Clemson. Kelly Bryant has been good and we're going to talk about him, but the loss of Deshaun Watson has opened a door and made Clemson somewhat vulnerable.
1: Yeah. Deshaun Watson was he did so much. And it was two years running that both wasn't he Heisman runner up two years in a row? So it wasn't even just one year. It was both years. He's definitely
0: incredible two years in a row. I don't I can't remember with the Heisman voting exactly.
1: Yeah. And he could do so much with his arms and he was he was a talent that i don't think you can replace right away and kelly bryant's doing amazing under center but it's just not the same to have that much that much talent walk out out the program and go to the nfl and then just wake up the next day even a lot of people talk about this whole reload and and reload versus like you lose your talent I still don't think anybody's doing it quite as well as Alabama is. Alabama's just bringing in like five stars after five star, like they go three deep, and there's no real change. They might as well just like take the third string guy and just toss him up in the first string. Ohio State is close to that sometimes.
0: USC I don't see always has that level of talent, but yeah, the coaching hasn't been able to reload it, and we'll see about this year.
1: I don't. I don't know. I don't know if Clemson's there yet but i know they are they are amongst the top 4 in the entire yeah, country of doing it it's just not nobody's doing it alabama's level right now so you can't just wake up the next day and it showed during that bc game i mean that is the perfect example that alabama playing that bc team is the equivalent of what uh what just happened with alabama playing vanderbilt because vanderbilt's yeah. a pretty good program and
0: Pretty good defensive team like BC. Yeah,
1: Nick Saban got tired of all the like people talking about how Alabama hasn't been playing well, so they just went out and they just put sixty points. They could have put up a hundred <laughs> points in that game, and that's not a joke. That is serious. It, like Nick Saban took the gas off on that. They had their third string in there. Like I think in the whole second half.
0: Yeah, when he wants to make a statement, he just he just does. He it. just
1: destroyed them, and. I don't know if Clemson could do that against BC. And BC's got a good defense, but you know they struggled for three quarters of, of that game. It's a whole different level, but they are reloading. They are getting to a place that it's scary, but you can't just replace that type of talent under a quarterback because that guy is a
0: generational talent. I mean, he made Clemson into that national championship team. He did. Took him to two straight, almost beat Bama the first time and, and finished him off the second time. This team is going to be really good, really, really good at the end of the year. They're all, I mean, they're already really good. Imagine what they're going to be like when all these young guys who are playing are in their 11th and 12th games of the season. That's why I still think we have a pretty good shot to win this game. Let's talk a little bit more specifics on some of these guys. Bryant's been accurate, but he has not been – the passer that Deshaun Watson was, as you might expect. He's got good weapons in terms of Raymond McLeod, Hunter Renfro, who caught the winning pass in the national championship game last year. And Dion Kane, their deep threat. They've all been very good for them. But if you look at the touchdowns, there's only three passing touchdowns for Clemson. One of them wasn't even Kelly Bryant. And then 17 rushing touchdowns. Statistically, every metric they're a much better rushing team right now. And that's because of Brian. He's an excellent runner. He's got seven rush TDs of his own, two in each of the last three games. And because of his rushing and not necessarily his passing, he's 23rd in QBR right now. That's three spots ahead of Josh Jackson. And he only has two passing touchdowns and three interceptions. So you can just imagine how good his running has been.
1: Yeah, I think they,
0: you yeah. know, Dabo and that offense are using
1: his strength to allow him time to build into the skill set that he probably has you know I don't I think he's probably a pretty good passer I don't think he is ready to be a passer right now so they are they know that he can run and they're setting him up I, I even sent you a message it was like there's only three passing TDs but 17 rushing TDs it, like it didn't even, I hadn't even absorbed during their first four games how swayed it was in that direction and it's pretty steep, but it's also pretty smart. I mean, you got a new quarterback under center filling in for Deshaun Watson, this this elite quarterback, and you want to give him some time and you have a lot of good, you know, four-star, some five-star talent at running back. Run the ball, you know, and and yeah. they have talent. Their offensive line is a little bit there's been times it's been questionable, and we'll get into that in a second, but Generally, the guy has legs, so let him use them, let him get comfortable playing games. It's the smart move, and honestly, it seems like great game planning for them. Like, it, but it does lead you to the question of what's their past game going to look against Virginia Tech?
0: The weapons they have at running back are impressive, like, uh, at Teen Travis. Etienne. 5'10", 200. That kid is fast as hell. Home run hitter for sure. Has four touchdowns already this year. Tavion Feaster is someone we expected to play a lot this year. He's a little bit thicker, 5'11", 220. He's got the most carries on the team, 249 yards and a 6.4 average. A teen's average is over 12. So he he is dangerous. And they got a couple other guys, Choice and Fuller, both have multiple touchdowns. All the running backs – Around 5'10. None of them are super big, but all of them are durable, like prototypical running back types with different skill sets. And a team's a speed, Feaster's a little bit more of a all things, like he can do third down stuff. He can do you know catch it out of the backfield, that kind of thing. So yeah. running back and wide receiver, wide receiver's more experienced, running backs arguably more talented. It's and their O line has been doing well. And it but that's the thing you were talking about before. They should have been dominant coming into this year. We're bringing back four or five starters, and they have the 13th-ranked rushing offense in FBS, so it's all good, right? They're giving up two and a half sacks per game. That's 96th in FBS, and I got this from one from David Hale. Their QB contact rate is 62nd out of 65 Power 5 teams. So they're third to last, basically, in how much they're letting their quarterback get hit in, in the Power 5.
1: Oh, well, it makes sense or why they're rushing the ball so much. I mean, it's the the it's fun going through the stats because it starts to paint the picture of why they're doing what they're doing, and it also proves that Dabo is a good coach, right? He he's playing to what their strength. He knows what their weakness is, and he's playing to their strengths. And right now, if you're getting hit that much in the backfield, then you got a a young quarterback that's filling in huge shoes that are you know big shoes and then you're going to try and play to a strength that you think can make work and um, I think it's I think it's the right way to play it I do think that they're going to change things up now that they're in the well I guess it would be the fifth game of the season maybe he, they feel like he has his legs underneath him I don't think they are necessarily going to come at us with the same game plan that they've already showed in the same reason that we're not going to do the same with them maybe they'll throw the ball around a little bit more but they do have the talent at rushing. I know Adam Choice is a little banged up, but I think he's still fine to play. I don't, I don't think that's any issue. They go real deep at running back. Maybe they'll go back to that, but I think they're going to try and give us a different look in this game. And the offensive line, hopefully they just they don't step up and become what everybody thought they were going to be, because a lot of people were picking them as like the top three or four in offensive lines in the country beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, they haven't looked like that. And just to clarify on Bryant, we we're saying that he's a better runner than a passer, and he is, but his passing has been good. He's been throwing twenty some times a game and completing sixty-eight percent of his passes. Yeah. They're not all long passes, but I'll say the the long passes I've seen him throw, it's a pretty ball. Like yeah. he dropped some in on Louisville, like really nice balls. Uh so he can do it. And maybe they're just they just haven't decided to do it as much as they should
1: in the red zone but, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think the yeah, stats... they're
0: just choosing to to run in the red zone. Definitely saw that against Louisville because he didn't have a big rushing day against Louisville. Yeah. He just he had two touchdowns though, and they were nice runs.
1: No, you're right, and not to make too much about that because that's uh, absolutely true, and that that's why it was so confusing to see his what his TDs were versus his interceptions, versus his completion percentage at sixty eight percent, which is good. Uh, on yeah, it's season, strange. Yeah, it's a it's probably one of the weirder stat lines you
0: you'll see in college football right now.
1: It's probably
0: more of a fluke than anything else. And like and like we just mentioned, the the play calling around the goal line. It's just that they're calling his number to rush because it's working. So, him having that few of passing touchdowns is probably you know just skewed in the wrong direction right now. We'll come back to the mean as the year goes on. Had a couple of random things regarding their offense before we move over to defense. And Clemson is converting 53% of their third downs and we're only at 44%. And they're getting a touchdown 86% of the time in the red zone. And we're only at 59%. So both on third down and in the red zone, they have been on point so far. They've been doing really well and they're outgaining opponents by 283 yards a game. That's the best in FBS, and they've played three Power 5 opponents. So the fact that they're leading FBS and outgaining people, and they've played what most would consider pretty solid schedule, yeah, that's scary.
1: Well, and especially that Auburn defense is pretty good. I mean, we can all just... <laughs> yeah. That is a good defense. It looks good, yeah. Louisville defense is... Uh-huh. it's all right um but that auburn defense is pretty good and they they carved people up and it was impressive that it's a good it's a freaking good team i mean
0: <laughs> it's a good offense despite what they've had to replace and whether or not he's getting the touchdowns through the air the guys on the outside are good like renfro and deon kane and mm-hmm. and uh Who's the last guy? Ray Ray. Yeah. They're, they're cloud field the high yeah. on the cloud. They're they're good players and if he decides this this is the game he's going to start like going against Bud's man coverage like it it could be a problem if if uh he's hitting those downfield passes.
1: Yeah. There'll be a good summary I think of all of this because I have my thoughts we talked about it a little bit earlier that I think will kind of be interesting to take get your take on everything. So let's hit the offense versus their defense. Do you want? Yeah, do you want to? Do, it, do you even want to talk about Let their defense? give a little intro, line? just
0: just to frame it. Is their defense is third currently nationally, only giving up two hundred and seventy yards per game, two hundred twenty-seven yards per game. Ninth against the pass, twelfth against the rush. So they're pretty even, and it's truly scary. Like they're especially their front seven. This is a just ridiculously talented and pretty experienced group. They started a couple freshmen on that D line that won the national championship, Dexter Lawrence, Cleveland Farrell. They were both freshmen last year and they're back along with Christian Wilkins, who is just a beast. He's fourth on the team in tackles playing DT. Like that, think about that. And then Austin Bryant, who I didn't really know that name. He has stepped up and played amazing this year. Six tackles for loss, five sacks and another four hurries on the year. It's probably the best D-line in the nation and if it's not it's up there with FSU, Bama, NC State, Ohio I know, State. Ohio State is a good line. Ohio State, yeah. But do you want to talk about their linebackers a little bit?
1: Not really. Uh no, I probably <laughs> I think um defensive line you you hit it. I think where I see their linebackers are solid, and I, I didn't have anybody that stands out just because their D line stands out so much, and their linebackers are all just solid. The front seven is impeccable. I was looking more for what could be a change in this game, and I think it's maybe there's some openings in their secondary for us. Like that They've might have been a little nicked up back there. Yeah. So you got. Um, I guess it's Tavon Mullen. He's gotten concussion protocol. He's one of their better cornerbacks. So don't know what's going to happen in the game. I don't like injuries. I hope he can play. I hope he's all good to go. But that's something to keep in mind. Um, Then you had Mark Fields, who was another cornerback for them, pulled his groin. It looks like he's also good to go or a little bit, you know, probably – you had to go. He said 50, it's questionable. Yeah, questionable, and well, all of those never really matter. You never know who's going to show up on the field. Yeah, I think the secondaries probably are are best shot. But the problem I had with that is their up front is so strong and so dynamic. Yet they are their past defense is off the charts from an SP perspective. It's unbelievable, and then. Their rush defense is good, but it's not like leading the nation, which when you talk about Christian Wilkins, when you talk about Dexter Lawrence, Austin Bryant, these guys up front, um, I, I'm wondering, and maybe you have a better sense of this. It was tough for me to tell given who they've played and what the styles were. Is it because of the linebackers or or what's happening there? Because it, it seems like most of the talent's always been up front for them, but now their, their pass defense is actually pretty good this year and they have some people that have been out and or dinged up and they're still managing to to stop the pass
0: pretty well. Yeah. They had a freshman back there, Isaiah Simmons, who's surprised 11 solo tackles for him. And he's been very good in, in the back. I think he's a corner. And then, uh, muse who Tanner muse, I think is his name. Yeah. He's third on the team in tackles 22 total. And he has been, he's been good for them. Van Smith, who was so good last year, Their strong safety. He's been a little banged up. Hasn't played well. We'll see what he's like. Because of the injuries, their DB group, I don't think, will be as good in this game as it's been. And it has been good. I also think because of the way Clemson has been on top of teams, it's forced teams to get into bad passing situations. And... it's just compounded the problem. And that way their pass defense ends up looking better. Keep in mind, they also played Lamar Jackson, who's an excellent <laughs> runner, which is making their rush defense look worse. Right. Like when you've played this few of opponents, one game can really screw up the stats a little bit.
1: Yeah. And Auburn's not exactly throwing the ball for uh 500 yards a game. So
0: that's uh that makes sense as well. Their linebackers are, are really good though, to answer your question. Like Kojo, who, who played a lot last year, Kendall Joseph and Dorian O'Daniel, uh, they're monsters. And the third guy who's been playing a lot is Trey Lamar. He's basically like a Tremaine-esque player. A 6'4, 250, 18 total tackles, and he's fifth on the team. And he's just he's the new guy because uh Ben is no longer with them. And he was obviously a great leader for Clemson and and really good at touching people's balls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Trey Lamar is an athletic Huge guy, and that is with O'Daniel oh, and Joseph. This linebacking core is something that could hurt uh, Fuentes' favorite thing, and is to attack that middle tier of the defense. And that—that's what I'm most concerned about. Actually, it, it yes, the defensive line is extremely scary, but the entire front seven in this game more than ever. Him and Cornelson are have going to have to come up with some kind of thing to to trick that defense into stepping up closer and, and getting behind them because and, it's uh and spreading them out group.
1: wider, I think is going to be a key as well as Marine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that a lot and they love doing it. It's like make, make the linebackers pull out a little bit towards the sideline and then it'll stretch everything out. And hopefully that, you know, they have, they're going to, they're going to need something up their sleeve against this defense.
0: There's no doubt. That kid, Dorian O'Daniel goes sideline to sideline really well, but he has like a quad tweak as well. Yeah. So I, they've they've got a, a little just as many injury problems as we do right now. Uh, so maybe he's not a hundred percent. That could help us too. So that's just something to think about. As for their special teams, their kicker tore his ACL two weeks ago, I think, in practice. So our kicker's been having problems, and now they have a new kicker. So. We'll call it a wash. Let's call it a wash. Yeah, we'll call it a wash. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to do overall thoughts, keys to the game?
1: Yeah. So um, this is a battle of two very well-respected, highly influential, also have a good personal relationship defensive coordinators that I think is going to be a chess match that we're probably – is once every 10 years you get to see something like what's about to take place on the field with the talent that Bud Foster has and Venables has on, on the Cleveland or the, on the Clemson side. I think this is could be fantastic to watch and see how they scheme and how they play. And it's against two relatively inexperienced quarterbacks at the same time. So their advantages, the advantage for Clemson is stronger because they're, just physical talent, I think, is probably above ours. But they're both very... Um, the physical talent on their side, the experience that's on our defensive side, I think, kind of evens that out. And then they're both going against relatively you know, inexperienced offenses with regard to wide receiver and quarterback. And... You know, that's not to say Hunter Renfro, obviously he won a national championship for them. But, you know, once you start to peel back beyond that, there's a lot of new talent that's on that side of the ball for them. So I think it's actually really exciting to see what these defenses do against the offenses more than anything else.
0: It could be a low scoring affair. I haven't decided whether, you know, that's what I thought last year. And it ended up being 42-35. I thought it would be more of a defensive game, and it wasn't. I think there's enough chances in both secondaries because we've – we've. I mean, look what happened against CCU. They, they were able to get something on us here and there. Both teams are going to give up some big plays. I, I do believe that. I think we'll be able to string more consistent drives together than they will, but they're going to be able to pop bigger – Big plays on us than we will but i think both teams will have big plays i do think it'll end up in the mid-20s for both teams and i'll know if we'll get into the 30s uh i can't imagine it would be the same type of score as last year that just seems too high to me but hey man you never know the, in these days in college football once momentum starts going you know sometimes defense goes out the window like the, the yards that west virginia threw up on us were preposterous and and i thought we looked okay for most of the game and then i look at the stat sheet and we give up 600 yards.
1: Yeah, well, once the defense starts getting worn out where that's where things get frightening. If if our you know, their defense can run a lot deeper i think than ours. Yeah. So that's where that's where it could get ugly, i guess in my mind if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, everybody's worried about it. Hey, just make sure it's competitive. Is like the number 1 Two, it would be great to win. Three, just make sure it doesn't get ugly. Where it gets ugly is their defense runs a lot deeper than ours.
0: This is the same thing we talked about with West Virginia. We need to keep our defense off the field as much as possible in that first half. you got to get off the field on third down. You you just have to. As long as we can slow down their run, especially Bryant, but their running backs as well, and at least that's what we've been doing well. Like If you had to pick a strength for the opposite team – you'd prefer them to be better than running than passing. I think now running quarterbacks have always been a problem for tech. They're a problem for everyone. You you can't really plan for them. Maybe we spy Bryant with Tremaine, but I would sell out just completely sell out against the run play man and pass coverage. We've only given up 2.09 yards per carry since WVU. I know it was Delaware ECU ODU, but even against bad competition, two yards a carry is really impressive We can stop the run. If you stop the run and focus on it, don't turn it over and execute, we can definitely win. Clemson is beatable. They are a beatable team. I think because of the way they destroyed Louisville, it's taken on a whole new life. It's like, damn, this team, they're just just as good as they were last year. They're not. They are not as good as they were last year. I really think this is a very winnable game for Tech and at worst it's a coin flip. I do I don't think they're coming into Blacksburg with a per, like if you wanted to put a percentage on it. I don't think it's like yeah, they're they're like a 70% chance to win the game. It's more like 50%. That's that's my opinion. Because it's in
1: Blacksburg, I would agree with that um 50%, you know, you look at Bill Colony or Connollys and it's 70 70- or 70-30 I think he has it as based on the S&P which is a flawed system but in any case using that as a baseline 70-30 I don't think it's 70-30 I would put it more around 50-50 because of the atmosphere because of where you are you're in lane the emotion I think they're a better team than we are I think we can all uh, uh, agree with that just talent wise I don't know I think the coaching I think the coaching is probably on par, actually. i
0: say it's probably, if you wanted to they used to do this on ESPN. They'd go offense, defense, coaching, and hmm. they'd, they'd give a plus or minus to each team. Yeah. And I think you're right. If you want to do coaching, probably about the same. Yeah.
1: And then, so if we talk about talent to them, coaching, it's equal experience. I think they might have like a slight edge in experience. I'm Just, not sure.
0: I think it might, you think might it went be our a way on that too.
1: Yeah, well, that might be true, but in any case, I think it turns into a coin flip game. That's a, that's Especially what it could you,
0: be. The, yeah, the differentiating factor being it's in lane at night, right? And that's and that's an advantage. It it is so.
1: Yeah, but if if anybody's not excited enough to almost pee in their pants about this game, then you're crazy <laughs> because it's now it's not just about being in Blacksburg. It's about we played last year. It was within one touchdown against to this point within one touchdown and 25 yards of the eventual national championship that blanked Ohio state and then beat a really, really solid Alabama team. So, and you know, you listen to the speeches from the Clemson coaches today, talk praising Virginia tech, the Virginia coaches praising Clemson. There's a lot of respect between the two coaching bases. I think they, um, they both recognize the talent of the coaching and and the talent on the field on both sides. This is such a monstrous game just for the fun of it. If you can't enjoy it, then we're all in trouble.
0: Let's do a beer break before we do our pick against the spread and just, you know, our final thoughts. Pete, what are you drinking over there? I'm having the Von Trapp Brewing Oktoberfest. Von Trapp, like the movie The Sound of Music, and it's funny at the bottom of this beer, it actually says by the family that inspired the sound of music. <laughs> so it's, I, I, it's not from Austria, but it's from, uh, the, t- the tagline on the beer says a little of Austria, a lot of Vermont. So it's from Stowe, Vermont, uh, trap family lodge incorporated. And this one is more malty than the first Oktoberfest I had the, the hooker. They're actually both from Connecticut. The other one, or from new England, the other one's from Connecticut. This one's from Vermont. And I like the first one more. This one is more, um, like I said, a little bit more sweet and definitely more malt flavor, more caramel flavor. Uh, so it's good. It's not as good as the Thomas Hooker, but it's, it's good. Robbie, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, the Hofbrow. The big old HB with the crown on it. Uh, October, October Fest beer, if you will. Uh, <laughs> it's oh, 11.2 fluid ounces. No, wonder why that would be. Not twelve. I guess uh so. short change. Yeah. yeah Evident <laughs> system. The metric me. system just <laughs> completely screwed me out of point eight ounces of my beer. Um no, it's it's good. They had it. Um it's interesting tasting this versus a American style attempt at an Oktoberfest and it's uh, the best way I can characterize it is it's less malt and more like you poured like a little bit of a Pilsner in it it's got like a little bit more carbonation um, and it's it's less um, to your point it's got less of that malt kind of you know backbone but it's good um, in case anybody's worried and I know people are um, it's a Munich specialty brewed in according to the German purity law which if yeah. I so that was, sounds
0: like it's gonna be more pilsnery to me just from the sound of
1: it. Exactly. Me. So and uh I I think um if it was my suggestion, I would take uh, brewed according to the German purity law off of all their labels. I don't think that actually uh, holds very good context <laughs> when you send it overseas <laughs> that it's that strict about their beers, but I know it, it aligns with Germans have a certain style of beer and it has to be brewed a certain way for it to be in their style, but it just comes off so bad when you're in America reading it, and you're like What the like what is going on over there?
0: yeah, it's like Russian standard vodka, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, yeah, all right, let's do these against the spread picks, and we'll do our game first to uh just put a bow on everything we've been talking about, number two, Clemson coming to Blacksburg, Virginia Tech is number twelve, and Clemson is getting seven and a hook, seven and a half point favorites to Clemson. Robert, what do you think of this spread?
1: Uh, I almost made you take this off the list because for this game, we do not need to be doing picks against the spread for it. Seven and a half. We shouldn't be picking this game. It's a really bad idea. We pick every Tech game. I know we pick every Tech game. All right, I'm going Virginia Tech.
0: Okay. I'm going to agree with you. I think we are going to cover the seven and a half. I think that Tech's going to win. I know that we did this before. I think we used to do it, that we'd pick who would win and we'd pick against the spread. And we kind of do that just in our analysis. But I really think Tech's going to win this game. I wouldn't bet on the money line because I don't bet on Tech games. Uh, But I want to take Tech against those seven and a half. Getting seven and that hook at home, I feel like a lot of people will be honest. I'm interested to see how this... This line moves throughout the week. I read
1: tonight uh, the money was on Virginia Tech against the line, so that's where it started at least, but it's early in the week,
0: obviously. Yeah, we'll move on, and, and we'll talk a little bit more at, at the end about us. Next game, Miami at Duke, Friday night. This is going to be a fun one to watch when we're down in Blacksburg. Number 14, Miami is seven-point favorites in North Carolina, in Durham. Who do you got, Robbie?
1: Uh Duke. No-brainer for me. I, I I feel like Cutcliffe and, you know, I think they got – uh and what's it, Daniel Jones said uh, under center that they have been lights out. I mean, they've been doing well. They're 4-0, right? And yeah. they have been playing really, really well. That's not a slight against Miami. We have Miami coming up here soon. I think they are also a good team, but they're just unproven at this point. And I have no reason to doubt Duke, especially – when it's at home with seven points
0: on the line. It's interesting for Miami because they're rusty. They looked rusty against Toledo in the first half. They haven't been able to play as much football as other teams. That line still is tough. Seven is is uh, it's right where it needs to be. Vegas knows what they're doing. I'm going to take Duke. I don't feel great about it because I think Miami's really good. And Duke was struggling against a not great UNC team last week. So I'll take Duke. Don't feel great about it. Next game, UNC at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech covered their spread against Pittsburgh. Again, confirming what we all thought, that Pittsburgh sucks. Georgia Tech is nine-and-a-half point favorites at home versus UNC. I'll go first. I'm taking Georgia Tech. They should have beat Tennessee. Tennessee sucks too. Um Again, this is a hard one. I'm gonna go with GT. Don't feel great about it. Who you got?
1: I also have GT. I don't. I'm not really a believer in UNC this year, and I think the triple option always gives you a chance, even in your down years. So I think that's part of why GT is kind of
0: rising to the uh, to the top. I think UNC is gonna be really feisty later in the year, not right now. Next game, Syracuse at NC State. Syracuse just went down to LSU, and if they hadn't basically thrown a pick six on the first play, they might have had a chance to upset LSU and Baton Rouge, and I'm being for real. That game was was close. I thought Syracuse was going to be dangerous, and they kind of were. But NC State is 13-point favorites, and I'm going to take NC State. They looked really good last week the way they should have looked in week one. They beat Florida State. And Syracuse going back to back on the road to two tough places. No, I'm going to take NC State this time around.
1: I have NC State as well.
0: This is getting really boring. So I'm going to have to. Boring. I'm going to have to pick a different team from. Whatever All right. You're well, picking. next we'll see what you have to say about this one. All right. Florida State at Wake Forest, the four and O Demon Deacons going up against the zero and two Florida State Seminoles. I already know he what you're going to pick, he... so I'm just going to I'm going to pick Wake
1: Forest, or I'm going to pick FSU, so you can pick Wake Forest, and we'll have something different. I'm literally changing my pick. I had Wake Forest. I'm changing. I'm typing it in right now. I'm changing my pick to
0: Florida State. You don't have to do that on my account, but I am going to take Wake. You knew I was going to take Wake. They're my team. Uh, I take them all the time, and so that's that's just that. I don't know if they're actually going to pull it off. I thought this was another tricky spread, seven and a hook to FSU, uh, but I'm going to take Wake. Next game, these are our two top 25 matchups outside the ACC. USC on Friday night also going up against Washington State. Number five USC, number 16 Washington State. USC is three and a half point favorites. I'll go first. I did not like picking this game because I, I don't know that much about the Pac-12. Of course, everyone's tuned into USC because they're a top-five team. I'm going to take USC because Boise nearly took uh, or did take Washington State to overtime, and Boise got smacked by UVA. So I don't think they're very good. I'm going to take USC based on that transitive property. Robbie, who do you like?
1: I'm going uh, Wazoo with... Uh i think it's home game for them right it's in what yep. pullman wherever the yep. hell that is and if if you had to ask me somewhere to out there say, ask me <laughs> to point it out on a map
0: um but yeah i'm gonna go Wazoo. and the last game we'll pick is number 24 mississippi state bulldogs <laughs> my bulldogs from last week which was a not a very good pick <laughs> against auburn the tigers They're facing off this time. Number 13, Auburn, nine and a half point favorites. I'm going to take Auburn. They showed good defense. Mississippi State, this is now the third tough game in a row for them. Three ranked matchups in a row, LSU, Georgia, and now Auburn. They've got to be worn out and a little bit let down after getting beat so bad by Georgia. So I'm going to take Auburn. What do you got, Robbie? I had Auburn, so there we go again. I uh, just well, we got two different. It's okay different. if we pick the same things. Oh man, I can't wait to get down to Blacksburg, man. I think you're heading down Thursday, Thursday, Thursday night. Oh where,
1: man, yeah, my uh, wife's heading on a plane with our baby to Ohio, uh, and I'm heading in a car to Blacksburg, Virginia. So, uh, and we're all staying. We got we're marrying up uh, too deep. With Vicky uh, Play, Crashing with Joe, we all got like a That's place right. together. So um, I plan on bringing my recording stuff in case we feel like waking up with a good hangover and, and recording things. But no matter what happens, it's going to be an awesome weekend. Win or lose, as long as we don't get absolutely decimated, it's going to be an awesome weekend.
0: Yeah, it should be great. And we are going to try to do... We haven't completely decided on this, but we might try to do some Facebook Live stuff. So make sure you subscribe to our Facebook. We'll keep you in the loop on Twitter of like what our plans are for the weekend. Maybe a Facebook Live Saturday morning and maybe one Sunday morning, kind of depending on how we're feeling and how the game goes. Hopefully, they'll both involve drinks if we are doing yeah. some Facebook Live episodes. And we might record even a uh, a recap podcast Sunday morning. We haven't... It really depends on how we're feeling after the game. Both Robbie and I, if you weren't aware, do like to get after it sometimes. That's kind of why we started this podcast. I have no
1: idea what you're talking about. I'm (laughs) going
0: to be sober as hell.
1: But I'll tell you what. Somebody in some freshman at West End is getting some London broil, and I'm buying somebody a lobster. (laughs) Those are the two things when I come back home that that's happening. And Joe and I have agreed that we are Facebook-living somebody getting A lobster and some sweet London broil. Uh,
0: This is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. So you're just gonna some unknowing freshman. I'm guessing it'll be a freshman. Mostly it's freshmen. Well, I'll just I have to ask him. I want
1: I I want they. You need a validated freshman ID if you want to get the lobster. So that's that's happening. That's just gonna be. I never got a lobster when I was there, so you know it's time to give back.
0: (laughs) I love that London broil, man. I miss it. All right, that'll do it for the podcast. This is a big week, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to hit us on Twitter, at 2 dvt if you want to give us any feedback on the episode or just talk about the game or whatever. 2 dvt at gmail.com if you want to send us anything via email. And then our website, 2 dvtcom Check out the new stats page. Robbie's doing a great job of updating it. It's already updated this week. You can see how Josh did. Uh, on the progression of the season, great graphs there. And subscribe on iTunes. Write us a review if you've got the time. We'd much appreciate it. We'll be down in Blacksburg handing out koozies, doing Facebook Live. Look for us. you know, Say hello. Probably at Tots, Hokie House, Sharky's, mostly the bars. That's where you can find us, I would imagine. No,
1: no, we're probably going to be at the library, if I had to guess, or the (laughs) bookstore. And the
0: TKP tailgate. There will be a tailgate, I believe, for the key play. We don't know all the details on that. I think Joe's going to be tweeting that out at some point, but we'll probably be joining that on Saturday afternoon. It's going to be a long day. Make sure to pace yourselves out there. And until next week, go Hokies.